CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Happy Monday, everyone. You are watching The Hash on Coindesk TV and listening to us on the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Jen Sinassi, Wendy O, Zach Seward, and Will Foxley are here today. Zach, you got a super sick hat on and our first story. So take it away. Yes, this is a sporting club of Portugal. Go sporting. All right, that's it. First story of the day, let's talk about the Biden executive order. This thing made waves when it was first announced in March. And now most of the responses to the executive order are due by Labor Day. This is when we hear various agencies in the government say how they are going to support or not this executive order. And we'll get some interesting details published to the public record. So this one should be interesting in terms of seeing how Biden EO, which was seen widely as positive by the crypto community, will actually be executed across the Biden administration. Good stuff here. I'm going to kick it straight to Jen for her thoughts on Biden EO coming into coming into shape. So much has happened since March. And so I'm really interested to see what comes out in this report. The tornado cash sanction comes to mind. I wonder if these things are going to be taken into consideration or if we're going to see kind of these agencies be blind to what's happened and stick to the facts. So that will be really interesting. I'm most interested in seeing what the Justice Department comes back with. So they'll be providing a legal assessment on whether Congress needs to put out a new law when it comes to CBDCs. You know, we've spoken a lot about CBDCs on this show uh, when it comes to surveillance and how the government is thinking around that. And so that's what I will be looking forward to. But it will be interesting what information is pulled from all of these headlines we've been seeing since March in the reports. Will, what do you think? Yeah, there's a ton of different administrations that are going to touch this, right? The Office of Science and Technology, the Treasury, as you noted, Justice Department, Commerce Department, other ones. We'll see like how they kind of stand on these things. And I'm very curious because every single part of crypto has a different angle that applies to all these administrations. They're all going to have their own takes on it. Hopefully there's nothing that's like too one-sided, right? I think that's the fear for everybody that there's going to be a bias involved. We're going to see some recommendations for an executive order that's going to go against the industry. And then all of a sudden, crypto industry is faced with like a seven-headed hydra, right? Where there's so many problems to swat down at the same time. That could really be a difficult season for a lot of those people in the nonprofit world out there who are trying to help crypto adoption. 
hopefully when this comes across, the EO is pretty tame. And I think we've seen that so far with some of the EO stuff from the Biden administration. There hasn't been anything that's like too complex. The most concerning is definitely the Treasury, which even going back to the Trump administration has been trying to put some very onerous regulation on top of crypto. The wallet to wallet uh, transaction information is the one that I can think of most clearly. And then also maybe like the $600 charge limit that you have to notify the Treasury about was also pretty onerous. Those things I'm worried about, like more of those things happening. And that could happen, right? If we have all these different departments coming with recommendations about how crypto should be uh, used and regulated, you can come up with a list of problems for crypto. And that's mainly going to fall on the people in crypto, right? Like the exchanges, lenders, the operators, the miners, the validators. Those people are going to have to deal with all these regulations, and that could be really troublesome. Going into a bear market, no doubt. Regulation is expensive, and it's not great to have that on top of heads of people when revenue is also down. Wendy, I'll throw it to you for your take. So I'm not excited about this at all. I really feel like it's going to do nothing but cause problems in the industry. It's going to stifle innovation. Again, it would be nice to get some sort of clarity as to how to pay our taxes, probably dealing with mining, proof of stake, all of that stuff. But at the same time, I'm just not very optimistic that we're going to see anything good come out of it. I feel like every single time we go into a bear market, we have negative price action. This administration and previous administrations like to kind of release some sort of regulation or whatnot to essentially FUD the market even more than we've already seen. As far as the regulation goes, I think they are going to hit heavy on CBDCs because they do. America does need one. Well, they do need one in order to compete with China. And I also know that there is going to be a lot of more laws and bills introduced in quarter one of 2023. And I'm just not very excited about it. Wendy, to your point, I think that we're probably going to see a lot of what's recommended by these different agencies, maybe even contradict each other. And I just wonder how we're going to get clear guidance out of this. It feels like it's just going to add to the opaqueness that we've been speaking about already. We saw Hester Pierce kind of push out something a while back, you know, kind of giving like a grace period for some of these different crypto companies to continue to build and to continue to, you know, prove that they have valid utility. And I believe that that was shot down. So therefore, again, I'm not very interested and excited about what's going to come out. I mean, interested, yes, but I'm not very excited because like what Jen said, it's just going to be a bunch of contradictions between different agencies. And I don't think the U.S. government is equipped to really kind of take the reins on this. I think what they really need to do is they need to actually introduce a brand new agency that is experienced in crypto, experienced in Bitcoin, experienced in NFTs, people that are actually kind of in the space that are doing things, maybe different attorneys. But again, we're seeing a lot of contradiction between these agencies. Will, really quick before we talk about my story that directly relates to this. Department of NFTs would be very interesting. I just want to riff on my last take on the show. I think it was on Friday last week that I think this bear market is going to be really interesting for the reasons that the bull market wasn't. And that is regulatory clarity. I think there's going to be a lot of things coming out and a lot of people are going to be concerned about what's going to happen. And while at the bull market, we had a lot of price action and a lot of projects that pump up and do really well or completely fail and explode like 3AC, Celsius, et cetera. I think during the bear market, we're going to have a different scheme or a different playbook out there where it's going to be a lot of regulatory action. And that's what's going to be dominating crypto Twitter. We're going to be moving to a new chapter for crypto. Wendy, back to you for your next story. All right, guys, since we're talking about regulation, we have to talk about Grayscale and the SEC. So Grayscale disclosing SEC queries says crypto, XLM, Z, Cash, Zen, maybe securities. And if you guys don't know, these are part of Grayscale's assets under management. 
These three assets make up approximately $18.7 billion. And there's just a bunch of uncertainty whether these tokens are securities or not. I actually want to toss this over to Zach for his thoughts. Well, we saw this in the motion against Coinbase, not these particular cryptos being named, but these are additional ones that are being named that may fall under additional regulatory scrutiny, right? There may be additional disclosures that are required to these assets. There may be additional hoops that uh, listers on the exchange side have to jump through. And this is potentially difficult for some of these projects, right? They've sort of uh, long maintained that these are cryptocurrencies or these are commodities. These are not securities. They are, these are not investment contracts in the particular projects that are standing up these blockchains and supporting their growth. So for these to be added to the list, some of it makes sense, right? We've seen XRP. They're in a long-running securities uh, lawsuit. Uh, XLM, right? Xcode that is, I think it was forked from XRP way long ago. So the fact that that's included maybe makes some sense that these others are also included and under scrutiny seems to be in keeping with what the SEC is thinking as it relates to some of these digital assets. And I think it is incumbent upon the grayscales and the Coinbases of the world to now say, hey, we need the clarity here so that we're not just doing this on a piecemeal basis after we've spun up business operations around these various assets that we've understood to operate under different frameworks than what you're now saying they should exist under. So that's where this becomes you know, contentious. And that's where it becomes interesting to see what comes next. One note, Grayscale, sister company of Coindesk, doesn't matter. We're still talking about the news, but you should know that. Grayscale, Coindesk, both owned by Digital Currency Group. I will throw it to Jen for her initial thoughts on this one. Yes. So the article said, for the first time in August, Grayscale acknowledges that Zcash, Horizon, and Stellar may be a security based on the facts as they exist today. And so that's different than the facts that they are citing from May and June which is interesting because I don't think anything has drastically changed about any of these three tokens from June to August. I think what has changed is the SEC's comments and actions towards tokens. And it's interesting to see the industry react. So again, later in the article, there is a memo from external security lawyers that cited. It says that the memo wasn't detailed. But what I can gather from that is lawyers are probably looking at crypto tokens in a much different way, given a lot of the news that's come out about the SEC recently. And it's going to change how the crypto industry, I think, reacts to Will's point earlier. Will, what do you think? Yeah, well, look at the numbers here. So $40 billion is the assets under management for the funds across BTC, ETH, and then a bunch of other trusts in there as well for Grayscale. $40 million involves Zcash, Z, uh, Zen, and uh, XLM. So not very much. 1% if I'm doing my decimals correctly. So pretty tiny. But for the larger ecosystem, that is pretty troublesome, right? This is a large stake in the ecosystem. Zcash is basically like the privacy coin. Monero's out there as well. But when I think of privacy coins, I really think of Zcash first because that's what it's really put itself into. And there, there is a company, electric coin company. There is a foundation, Zcash Foundation. And they're out there and they get classified as securities like that is troublesome for those uh, as well as all the privacy coins that are out there as well, right? Like what does it mean to be a privacy coin and what does it mean to be a token at all if you're going to have the securities labels thrown on you? Uh, was it seven years after Zcash launched? I think it launched in 2016 and it didn't launch with a pre-mine. launched with a pretty fair schedule, supply schedule, just like Bitcoin. The only difference I'd say is there was a founder share in there. So maybe that's what they're looking at, right? There was like a founder share built into the mining protocol itself, which has now expired, but it was there for about five years. 
I don't know enough about Zen or XLM to say much besides maybe XLM did have a code fork from Ripple and from XRP. And so perhaps that is why there's some sort of scrutiny about this. I don't know. It's hard to say that the regulators are looking at these like so specifically and know the ins and outs of all these coins. And that's why they're coming up with these different classifications for them. Pretty troublesome though, if you're looking at the larger market, like these three getting knocked would mean a lot for all the tokens that are out there. Wendy, I'll give it to you for last take. It's just going to be really sad for any projects that are incorporating any of these coins or any coins that do get hit by the SEC. That was my final thoughts on that. All right, we'll leave it there then. I mean, hey, short and sweet. Coindesk has a new event. It's called Ideas, the Investing in Digital Assets and Enterprises Summit. It facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us for a 360 investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure the next big deal in digital assets, all in one place. Use code HASH20 for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coinest.com forward slash ideas. All right. If you watched the VMAs last night, that performance was a little like a fever dream. But it was the pinnacle of the metaverse and music. So Eminem and Snoop Dogg brought the metaverse, the MTV VMA show with their performance from the D to the LVC performance. It started out with the rappers sitting on a couch where they were transported to the metaverse for performance, which included their avatars like we just saw in that clip and their board ape yacht club NFTs. Last night was the very first time that the best metaverse performance category was also launched, which was won by K-pop band Blackpink. So we're just getting all the pop culture news into this segment. Will, I know how much you love talking about the metaverse and all of these artists. So I'm kicking it down to you first. Yeah, this is the pinnacle. I'm really, really sad to see what's <laughs> going to happen on the way down because this is rough. This is, not fair. this is not very good in my opinion. But I mean, if it's your thing, I'm glad you like it. I guess from a crypto side, I'll just take the technical side because I don't want I want to take the high road. Don't want to take the low road here. Crypto side, it is cool that these NFT holders can license out their IP and make a bunch of money off this. It seems like they did that, right? They made a lot of money by licensing off their own individual NFTs, these rappers, and being involved with this whole project. They probably made some dough alongside it. Zach, up to you. I mean, I think, yeah, the corporatization of the metaverse is real, man. You got MTV signing off on this thing, big brand signing off on this thing. <laughs> I'm worried that the metaverse is just turning into a giant billboard that, you know, advertising executives everywhere are drooling over in terms of fresh fields on which to plaster advertisements. And I think if you see how MTV may be thinking about it, that may be what this is. That may be what the vision is for some of these big brands who are getting excited in the entertainment space about the metaverse. Big brands are great. They assemble a lot of people who share an interest in a particular thing, but there should also be room for smaller people and smaller creatives smaller people doing interesting things in this in this experimental realm. And I hope there's still room for that after it's all colonized by corporate interests. But Jen, I'll toss it to you. Yeah, I just want to fact check Will quickly. The NFTs that were used in the music video, I believe belong to Snoop Dogg and Eminem. And so they weren't licensed out. That's their NFTs. So they can now license the IP out or use them in commercial endeavors like the MTV performance. I think what is interesting about this is that people who are watching the VMAs are now being introduced to this metaverse that is being created by Yuga Labs, right? So the performance was inspired by the other side metaverse, which is currently being built 
and I think just shines a light on the Board Ape Yacht Club and how they have actually been able to achieve all of these milestones that every other NFT project is trying to do. I know that the industry, you know, really comes down on them a lot. And but despite the seed phrases being lost and despite all the dramas that have happened with the Board Ape Yacht Club, they really are bringing, I think, crypto to the mainstream in a really interesting way. And Zach, to your point, if you take a look at, at all of the job boards out there right now, every brand is hiring for like VP of Metaverse, Chief Metaverse Officer, Web3, whatever. And so they are all thinking about this. And I think that they are thinking in the right way. And it could be what brings you know those next billion users into crypto. Because you think about metaverse experiences, a lot of them are incorporating tokens. They're incorporating crypto in that really easy to use way. Wendy, what do you think? I think what's more shocking is, is that MTV played a song for once. I feel like there's nothing but (laughs) (laughs) there's not even music on MTV anymore. I don't know. I'm dating myself. I'm old. Also too, I am invested in the um, Board Ape Yacht Club ecosystem. But I think that this is great. I'm excited about it. And Again, one of the things that I really, really like about the Metaverse Web3 space is that it's going to help create jobs. Let's face it, America's in a lot, a lot of trouble right now. And what other industry is able to produce revenue like crypto is? Anybody? Anybody? What other industry? I don't know. I want to add one more thing, though. This is the first time Eminem and Snoop Dogg have appeared at the VMAs in over 10 years. I think the last time Eminem was there was in 2010 and Snoop Dogg was 2005. And so the metaverse brought these OG rappers to the VMAs. And I think that's a headline in itself. There you go. There you go. I'm glad that's, that's your takeaway from that. Didn't they do the yeah. Super Bowl this year too together though? Like, I feel like, maybe I feel like they've they done just, a lot of things, did they? Maybe they're maybe. needing some money. It's okay know. because like, you know, it's like <laughs> pop stars, right? They're getting super old, right? Like the Rolling Stones or whatever. The metaverse opens new opportunities for experiences oh. that are detached from their meat go. space incarnations, right? You don't have to see an 80-year-old Rolling Stone on stage. Now you can just go go to the metaverse. They're looking good, looking fresh, looking crispy. They look the same. They always did in, the, in their right? prime. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> Wait, sorry, right. Jagger. I love you. I love you, Mick Jagger. No I'm comment from myself. You, no comment from myself. It extends the lifespan of these brands. That's crazy. You're God bless the music, man. People wow. on the metaverse. Well, Okay, you guys know way too much about pop culture. I'm just going to say it. Let's go over to ENS and talk about... It's, it's a bad thing. It is a bad thing. Let's talk about ENS and talk about ETH World. According to new reports, we have out that ENS is in a bit of a pickle. One of the lead developers, Virgil Griffith, who is now serving 63 months in prison for his affiliations and working with both Ethereum and North Korean conference. Wow, this is a very hard one to explain, so let me back up a little bit. Virgil Griffith is an Ethereum developer who went to a conference in North Korea, and he was indicted by the U.S. for alleged allegations about participating with North Korea and helping them to basically funnel funds between the outside world and North Korea. He was also the developer of ENS. ENS is a decentralized internet provider that tries to make any website speak with another website in a peer-to-peer nature. Since he was the founder of ENS or one of the founders of ENS, and now he's in prison, the project is having a little trouble keeping its project online and needs to have the passcode to this website called ENS.link, but they can't get it because he's in prison. GoDaddy, the website's also hosting with this, is not willing to participate, not willing to help after first agreeing to do so. They reneged on an agreement to renew the license for this website, ENS.link, 
And now they're kind of unsure what to do. It looks like the ENS DAO, which is basically the controller of the whole ENS ecosystem, is going to start pointing to a different website, ENS.limo. But we'll see if people are able to port over their information as needed. So that is a big story with a lot of things going on there. Hopefully, someone can throw a fact check in there if needed. Zach, I want to throw this one up to you. We have a weird story because there's, there's ENS stuff in here, which is really hard to grasp. Then you have Virgil Griffith, which is a very important story in the Ethereum ecosystem. And then you have like this weird part about crypto where like you can't use things if people are not around, right? If you lose your seed phrase, that asset is gone. I'll flip it back on you. So why does this story matter to you? What is the thing that stands out? Is it the unique uh, infrastructure of crypto that makes stuff like this happen? Or is it the broader concern about some other stuff? Why does it matter? To me, this story matters because you do get into a world with crypto where you can't use applications because people aren't there anymore. They've either moved on, they're in prison, in the case of Virgil Griffith, or they're deceased, and you can't get those assets back. And so we are moving from a world of flexibility with institutions into a world of blockchains where there's code behind everything. And you can't break that code often unless you want to do a rollback, get everyone in on that project. It's really hard to do. And so we are very quickly moving uh, away from the flexibility of institutions to blockchains. And that's going to have some implications for people who are holding assets and they're not used to that, right? They're used to being able to go get their assets from someone who's deceased in their family or being able to go talk to the bank and figuring something out. That's not the case. I mean, we're just making fun of the Board Ape Yacht Club losing their seed phrases, right? Well, that happens with, with Board Ape Yacht Clubs and there's no one else to go back and get that asset back. It's just gone, right? So I think there's some implications, like long tail implications for crypto assets people are not used to. And this is one story that highlights it. There's a bunch of other threads we could pull on this one, of course, though, like Virgil Griffith, big founder in the Ethereum ecosystem, talking about the repercussions for his imprisonment, talk about ENS and how it's not quite as decentralized as people might think it is. And a bunch of ways to take it. Wendy, I'll throw it up to you. It just goes to show we are still very, very early. There's so many problems that are coming out of crypto that do need solutions. And one positive aspect about this is it does present the problem that if a particular project has a dev or somebody involved with it that does have the keys, has passwords or whatever it is for that project to continue to operate, new founders, developers are going to have to come up with some sort of backup plan. But at the same time, they're going to have to be very careful on how they execute that backup plan because if any of that stuff gets leaked or gets put into the wrong hands, the project can get hacked or completely go under. So this is a very interesting story. It's unfortunate that this person was gaffled up. I don't want to see anybody do time over anything. But again, we still are very, very early. I think GoDaddy just doesn't want the smoke because in the article, it says <laughs> that the lawyers were able to get them to renew the domain for a year. And then all of a sudden, without warning, they were like, nope, don't want to do it. And I think we think about the story that just came out with MailChimp doing the same thing. All of a sudden, without warning, crypto companies can't use MailChimp. And then you do a little Google search on Virgil, who owns the domain, and you see like, ah, oh, North Korea. And then you also see Tornado Cash sanction because of North Korea. I think GoDaddy was just like, nope, not dealing with this, not worth it for us to get entangled in something that could potentially, you know, be sanctioned or get us into trouble. I think they were just like, hands off, we don't want to deal with it. And that's really unfortunate for the industry right now, but that's just kind of where we are. Yeah, last takeaway from this is the intersection of Web 2 and Web 3. Web 2, GoDaddy here in this instance, and Web 3 being ENS. Web 2 has its policies, right? They're very corporate. And I don't know what's going on with GoDaddy behind the scenes, but 
they agreed to it and then they backed off of it. It doesn't matter because it's their platform. They can do what they want. Web3, you have a problem with you can't get to the original person who built this. The ENS DAO can't do much except for build a new hosting site. It's not decentralized enough to really deal with this. So we still have like a lot of lessons to learn and we still have a lot of problems to figure out before Web3 can really take off and build off of Web2. Zach, to you. Good chat. Good talk all around. Appreciate it. Thanks for unpacking it, setting it up. Give me the context. Give me the why it matters. Will, back in the mm-hmm. newsroom, my friend. Mm-hmm. All right. That's it for the show today. <laughs> it's Coindesk TV. It's the hash. We're also on the podcast network, which is also great. I am Zach. That's Wendy. That's Jen. And that's Will. We're the hash. We'll be back tomorrow. And we'll see you then. Have a great day. Happy Monday. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.